that Jesus is going to do here outside of the resurrection. Okay, and uh, but most of this next time he's going to be spending the time preparing his disciples for his leaving. All right, there's going to be more opposition coming up that he's going to look at, that he's going to uh, get into that Jesus is going to get here get into, and uh, but tonight's um, message. Is, is kind of interesting to me in a lot of ways. And uh, in a, quite an application that Jesus starts with in uh, one of these uh, first, not really the first lesson that he gives, but it's, a, it's a, from 16 on. It's, you might call it one of the first lessons from 16 to the end of Matthew that the disciples are going to get from the Lord Jesus. And uh, as usual, they struggle. They miss some things. And... Uh, uh, Jesus is going to help them understand what they are to watch out for. Now, there's things in our Christian life we need to watch out for. There's things that we need to put a guard up against. There's things that we need to be alert and aware. The word the Bible uses is circumspect. We need to be circumspect. What does that mean? It means it means like watching as you put your foot down, you look. It's looking where you're putting your foot. It's looking every step. If this floor, I've, I've said this before, if the floor was full of glass and you had to get from here to there, you would walk circumspectly. Before you put your foot down, you would watch where you're stepping. And you might go over here. And you might, right? You might have been very glad that you were good at the game Twister back 40 years ago. And as you twist your way through the glass and get to the back room, circumspect. And we have uh, times in our life, most of our Christian life, we need to walk circumspectly. And we need to guard ourselves from allowing things into our personal lives that are a detriment to uh, what Christ, uh, uh, to the life that we're supposed to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. So here in chapter 15 and verse 5, the disciples have arrived. Remember back in chapter, uh, the end of chapter 15, Jesus has just finished feeding the 4,000 men plus women and children, but 4,000 men were counted. And the Bible says he got into a ship and went across Galilee here to a place called uh, Magdala. Now, think about this, what he's done. Remember, if I had a map, I'd show you. But he came out of Syria uh, in that area. He went across, came down into the eastern shore of Galilee, a Gentile area, the area of Decapolis, the ten cities on the eastern side. It is Gentile. So he did this work here, the feeding of the 4,000 among the Gentiles. And it says here in chapter 15, in the verse, last few verses, look at verse 39. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. Okay, so Jesus took ship and he went to the coast of Magdala, which is what? The western side of the Sea of Galilee. If this square was Galilee, uh, Jesus would have been over here around Decapolis, and Magdala is almost about, uh, I believe it was down just a little bit, no, up a little bit, and you'd had Tiberius up here, no, it was Tiberius, Magdala, and I believe Capernaum. Ah, I've, I've got that messed up. I'll have to think about that. But essentially, Jesus went across Galilee over to the area of Magdala. There's Mount Arbel, which is right here, and right at the, mount, at the base of Mount Arbel is <clears throat> this area of Magdala. Does it sound familiar to you, Magdala? Mary Magdalene, right? She was from Magdala. 
That's where she was from, this area. This is where Jesus has now gone to. He's gotten in a boat. He's going from here across the sea over to the other side. <coughs> and he is, uh, he is now there. And this is where those Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him. Uh, really, that makes sense. Because where is he now over on the western side? He's in a Jewish area. He's gone from a Gentile area to a Jewish area. No doubt, I know over on that, the, all over those areas, they've uncovered synagogues and there's foundations of synagogues and every town would have had a synagogue and, 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 and rabbis and teachers there. But here he is on this western side. He's, got, he's in the Jewish area. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him to ask this question. Remember in chapter 16, um, when, when they came to ask him about wanting a sign from heaven. Uh, this is uh, where he is. And he finishes with the Pharisees. He, the Bible says, remember, he walked away from them. He was done with them, right? They're, you're not going to get a sign. You'll get a sign of the resurrection. That's the sign you're going to get. And you won't believe that one either. And, uh, and he walks away from them. Now notice verse 5 now. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten bread. So hold on a minute. Jesus had gone over by himself, it seems. And now the disciples are coming over. What were they doing? I don't know. Maybe they're cleaning up bread. <laughs> maybe they were putting the fragments. Maybe they're cleaning up the mess on the hillside after feeding at least 4,000 men besides women and children. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to be alone. But all I know here is in verse 5, it says, Now they have shown up on the other side as well. And notice this little, little uh, tidbit of information here. They had forgotten to take bread. Okay? So, um, they forgot to bring the food with them. They could have, right? They, they left fragments behind. They left buckets of food behind that were left over. Okay? And uh, they had seven baskets left over. And maybe they could have bagged it up like a, like a to-go box when you're done with your food and brought a little bit with them. But they didn't. But when they got to the other side, they remembered that they forgot. How many have ever done that? Remembered that you forgot, <laughs> right? Only if you had remembered before you forgot, it would have been better. And so here in verse 6, Jesus, I don't know if he's taking this opportunity. Obviously, he has taken the opportunity here in verse 6, how he's doing it or the reason he's doing it. Whether it's connected, there is a little bit of a connection, yes. But in verse 6, he says this, take heed. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That word take heed there means to watch, to see, to look to it. It's almost like that word circumspect, isn't it? Looking and watching where you are going. But he says take heed and in addition to that and beware. Beware. What is that word beware? That means they're just to guard yourself. Remember I said we have to be careful that we're constantly guarding ourselves from outside influences that war against uh, the, the, the will of God in our life. And so Jesus says, beware, take heed and beware to guard yourself, look at this, of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <clears throat> now if you'll notice here, it actually, there is an individual application here. He's talking to his disciples, 
But it's like to each one of them, no, you beware. You beware. You beware. You, yeah, you, definitely you, beware. You beware. No, it's individual. Every one of them needs to beware. This was, this was, a, this was not just this, uh, a collective thing, though it was spoken on to all of them at once. Every one of them needed to beware. Every one of them needed to take heed. And when you're told to guard yourself, when you're told to watch out, when you're told to keep your eyes peeled and look out, it, it means that there's something out there that will hurt you, right? There's something you would tell a kid, you know, look both ways before you cross the road. What are you saying? Take heed, beware. Look. <laughs> Why? Because if you don't look, you might get run over. It's going to hurt real bad. Okay. So notice what he's saying here. It says, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, it doesn't seem, if the timing in this is, is what it seems like, the disciples weren't there for that last battle that Jesus had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They weren't there. I mean, I've always assumed that they were, but it doesn't seem like it. It seems like they've come afterward. And um, the disciples were well acquainted with these two religious sects. They, they've grown up with them their entire life. They, they know everything about them. So Jesus is telling the disciples, keep your eyes open and protect yourselves, what he says here, from the leaven of the Pharisees. Okay. Now the disciples obviously again here are asleep in class. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not watching. They're not paying attention. They've just come for, I, I get the connection they're making. I, I see how they would do this a little bit, but they already had something on their mind. They had forgotten to bring bread, right? Remember it already said that here in, in verse five, they had come to the other side. They had forgotten to take bread. That word had forgotten that those two words are had forgotten. It's one Greek word. I'm not even going to pronounce it to you, but the meanings are interesting to me. You see here, there's two basic nuances this, this definition says, right? Number one, to forget, which means not to, to, to not recall information concerning something. You just forgot, forgot to recall it. Or the other meaning is neglect. To give little attention to, to omit by carelessness or design. Now, in front of that Greek word is three letters, epi, epi, E-P-I. It's a preposition that this Greek guy who knows Greek, I guess, says, and I'm just going to believe him, says it's a preposition that intensifies the meaning as noted and thus the idea of not just forgetting, but completely forgetting, as in almost through the, the second one by carelessness or design. Yeah. Is it possible that the disciples forgot to bring food because they were just careless? Or just didn't want to deal with it? You've been there at the restaurant. Maybe you're traveling. You're on the road. You're going cross country. Going somewhere great. You have this food left over. And they say, hey, you want to take this with you? And you're like, ah, well, um, ah, do we want to take it? I don't know. It's 100 degrees out. If we leave it in the car. I mean, you're going through all these things. And you're like, no, nah, let's not deal with it. Just leave it. I know this day and age is like 50 bucks worth of food sitting there. But just not, let's not even deal with it, right? It's a bagel. It's all that's left. And wouldn't you know, 50 miles down the road, somebody in the back seat goes, we're hungry. You're like, ah, should have brought the food. 
to shove in their mouth, right? <laughs> Gently. <laughs> but, It seems like the disciples, it just wasn't like, oh boy, we just forgot food. They had seven baskets of food left over. They just didn't want to deal with it, it seems like. And they forgot to bring food. It's possible. Okay. But whatever the case is, whatever the reason is, the disciples were obviously a little sensitive to what they've done. They've realized, they've remembered that they forgot, right? And, and because they were thinking about Jesus' warning, or thinking about all of this food they, they forgot, I, it's like they took Jesus' warning uh, was about bad food. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, right? They were on the east side of Galilee, right, Gentile? Now they're in the west side of Galilee. They're in the Jewish area, right? The synagogues, Pharisees, Sadducees. And he's, they're thinking, what's wrong with their food? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. They got bad leaven? Maybe they got bad leaven. No, they just weren't getting it, right? Right? I, I get It's okay. I get it. I get it. Right? But Jesus corrects them here. Look at, look at uh, verse 7. They reason among themselves saying, okay, Jesus, let's go back to verse 6. I'm, mess, I'm messing this all up. Jesus said unto them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we've taken no bread. Right. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith. Now what is fascinating here, now Jesus is going to address another problem that really isn't what he's even started to talk about. But because they responded a certain way, Jesus says, oh, I got to deal with this. And he says, oh, ye of little faith. We're going to see here in a little bit, uh, this little sidebar here that he's going to deal with isn't really what Jesus was warning them about. He is warning them about what the, the he was, he began the warning about the interaction that he just had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's telling them when they showed up, guys, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. <gasps> we didn't bring bread. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus says, well, now that you brought it up, Oh, ye of little faith. You see this? Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. Why would he say that? He's not even talking about providing food. He, he's actually, we're going to see it in a minute. He's talking about bad doctrine. But he takes the opportunity to correct this. He's correcting them. Right. He's, he's, it's like he's saying, Why are you reasoning? See what he says. Do, look, look at verse 9. Do you not understand? Oh, you have a little face. Verse 8. Why reason you among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Verse 9. Do you not understand? Neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets ye took up. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets ye took up. Don't you remember what I've already done? Now he's correcting something that wasn't the issue that he was even talking about. But since they brought it up. He's got to correct it. He's going to help them here. Do you notice here actually in these two illustrations, that the two remembrances of the two miracles, they're talking about bread and Jesus doesn't talk about the fish that they broke up. He just mentions the bread part because they're talking about bread. Maybe it's just to stay on track with context. I brought that up and I have no answer for why he did that, okay? Just give you something to think about this week. Why didn't he mention fish? You'll be up tonight wondering, why didn't he mention the fish? That's weird. Don't text me if you find out, okay? <laughs> Don't. 
Hold on a minute. Even if Jesus was needing food at this time, why at this stage in the disciples' relationship with Jesus would they even look at this as a problem? He said, weren't you there when I fed 5,000? Weren't you there when I fed 4,000? Wait a minute. Why are you even, why would it even, even if you're off track and you're not tracking with me at all and you don't get what I'm saying, you're worried, you're like, oh no, we don't have bread. Why would you even think that? Just like a little bit ago, you've been with me all the, the you know, you know, three years now or so, and you've watched all of the miracles and you've seen all of these uh, feedings and all of the five and the 4,000, right? Why didn't one of them say, wow, bummer. Well, master, we left the bread behind. You mind creating some more? Why? I mean, that, Jesus would go, oh, great. Yeah, this is wonderful. They finally got it. No, they didn't do that. Yeah, they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> we forgot the bread. It's kind of interesting over in Mark 8, 14, this same uh, Mark uh, records this incident as well. And there's a little thing that's a li- another little side note here that we don't have here in Matthew. And it's, and it's not a contradiction whatsoever. It says, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. This is still completely accurate in Matthew. They took nothing with them. It goes back to, to prove that all of those fragments they didn't bring with them. They had, not, they had brought nothing with them. And in the ship, there was only one loaf of bread. Do you realize that one loaf of bread, they could, if they really thought about it, they could have said, here's the one loaf. Hold on. He did, uh, he, he did uh, what was it? Seven loaves, or five loaves among 5,000, seven loaves among 4,000. What is one loaf among 12? That's not bad, is it? That's pretty easy to do, right? He could have done that, absolutely. But they missed it. They absolutely missed it. They were still immature in their faith. And Jesus needed to correct this before he went on to explain his original lesson. And let's not us miss a great lesson here as well, all right? Listen, if Jesus has provided for a past need, why would we not go back to him for a future need? Actually, Jesus calls that faithless. O ye of little faith. It was something as simple as, oh, we forgot to bring bread. Jesus is like, well, why didn't you say, why didn't you just look to me and say, here's this. Even if it wasn't what I was talking about, right? So you see what he's doing? He's correcting. But notice what he goes on here now in verse 11. Verse 11. He has corrected their faithlessness. He has corrected their, their wrong thinking. And uh, he's going on to verse 11. And he, look what he says here. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, physical bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Jesus says, I wasn't talking about physical bread. How did you miss this? I said the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, not the bread. I said the leaven. And they said, oh, now, now we get it. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not bread, verse 12, doctrine. Look at verse 12. Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Doctrine. 
Jesus here has called doctrine leaven. The doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees, leaven. Leaven. Not dry yeast. Right. I was just telling Brother Davidson earlier, not Fleischmann's. Is that Fleischmann's? Is that right? And he said, it sounds Jewish. I said, yeah, it does. That's really good. I don't know how much they had for dry yeast. I don't know. I don't know if they used dry. They had other ways for leavening agents. But from what I understand, what they would do is they would, when they would make a loaf, when they get the dough together, and before they would get it to put and bake it, however they would do it, they would pull a piece of that dough off. They would put it in water and put it away, and it would sit there until they were ready to make another loaf. And they would put that, that was the leavening agent, and they would take that in their next batch of bread and put that in that one. It would permeate through that entire uh, bit, bit of dough. It, firm, it, uh, it um, well, fermented or leavened the, the entire loaf. And before they baked it, they'd pull a piece off and put it in water and put it aside. It kind of like sourdough. Anybody have a starter? How, how many of you in it? Micah, do you have a sourdough starter? What is wrong with you? Yes, you need to do this. Leaven. Leaven. Sorry, you're going to have a you're going to have a experimental lab in your house. This is going to be great. And he, leaven. Listen to what Barnes says about leaven. He says it passes secretly, silently, but certainly through the mass of dough. None can see its progress. I don't agree with that, really, because you can take the towel off and go, whoa, <laughs> it's like bulging out, right? Now, you may not sit and watch it, but eventually when you get back to it, you do, you do eventually see it. Barclay said this, It was the Jewish metaphorical expression of an evil influence. To the Jewish mind, leaven was always symbolic of evil. Leaven stood for an evil influence, liable to spread through life and to corrupt it. Jesus said, beware of the leaven, the doctrine of the Pharisees. Why? It passes secretly. It passes silently. It passes in, through the entire being. Even it passes through you, in the, as a member of a church, it passes through the whole body eventually. You've got to be careful what, what did Jesus say? Watch, beware, guard yourself. Yeah. I've got a really obvious, legitimate question, I think. What is the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? I know what you get told and what we get accused of a lot. Right? It's legalism. You're a legalist. Well, if you define it correctly, I hope I'm not, right? Yeah. But that's not really the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's connected. I should say legalism is, is correct, connected to, their legalism is connected to the doctrine, the leaven of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It actually, absolutely is. But it's not really it. It's a byproduct. Legalism is a byproduct of it. Do you really want to know? Turn to Luke chapter 12. I'll let you see it for yourself. Luke chapter 12. 
Look at verse 1. In the meantime, Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his, unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, dun, 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 which is hypocrisy. I think that's a pretty good definition. I think I'll take it. Jesus said it. I'll, I mean, or, or could you include more under under the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the leaven of the Pharisees? Uh, maybe, I guess. But I just want to focus on this one Jesus said. Hypocrisy. The foundational problem with the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees it was hypocrisy. Yeah. I keep wanting to say hypocrisy, but I'm trying to be, do better with English nowadays. Hypocrisy. If we're not careful, Jesus was telling his disciples, if you're not careful, this doctrine can permeate your lives as a believer. Jesus is saying, why is it the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Well, it's not his doctrine. <laughs> yeah, it's their doctrine. It passes through secretly. It passes through silently. It permeates every aspect of our life. Hypocrisy. You might say, are there examples of, of this hypocrisy? Among the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Yes. We just looked at it just a few weeks ago in Matthew chapter 15. Remember the scribes and the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, Hey, uh, why do your disciples transgress the, uh, the, 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 the tradition of the elders? Why do they transgress the tradition of the elders and not washing their hands? Huh? Why? Jesus says, well, why do you transgress the commandment of God? How do they do that? He says, you don't honor your father and your mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments, right? Honor thy father and thy mother that the days might be long upon the earth. The first commandment with promise, right? The Bible says. He says, why do you, why do you transgress the commandment of God? Forget, forget the tradition of the elders. Why do you transgress the commandment of God? And you don't honor your father and your mother. Well, how do we... We honor our father and mother, really? Yes. Okay, this whole thing you called Corbin? This whole, this whole thing when, when you say all of this money that is mine, I've given as a gift to God. And so because it's a gift, it can't be used to help my parents. It's a gift to God. Yeah. And what did they do with that money? Well, they still used it for themselves. It wasn't off limits to them. Right? It was just... It was just a great way to redefine. <clears throat> and watch what they did. They went around a law of God and then they acted like they were, um, uh, uh, they were superior in their righteousness. Like they, they acted like they were all right. And really what they did is, is to go around the law of God because they didn't want to obey it in the first place. And so they devised a new plan to go around it and say, but yeah, we're pretty good. You know what Jesus said here at the end? I love it. 
You hypocrite. He looked right at him. Hypocrite. <laughs> I, don't, I wish you could visualize this. It's just really, I, I think it's funny. Hypocrite. I mean, uh, I mean, he's exactly right. What is it? It is the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. They took the clear command of Scripture and found a way around obeying it and acted as if the, their disobedience was righteousness. Hypocrisy. Yep. Now, hold on a minute. I, I, I want to go. I, I don't want to uh, kind of discourage you here at all. Uh, true hypocrisy is not the struggles with sin on a day-to-day basis if you are in agreement with the struggles you have are actually sin. I'm not talking about that. People say, oh, I feel like a, such a hypocrite. I don't want to come to church. I don't want to, I don't want to serve God. And I, I, you know, I just feel like a hypocrite. We're not talking about, I mean, at least you admit what you're, what you're struggling with is sin. That's not what this hypocrisy is. They are denying what they're doing as sin and they're, they're purporting themselves as being righteous. That's hypocrisy. You're struggling with sin today? Come to church. You say, well, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Well, trust me, there's plenty others in here if, if that's how you define hypocrisy. And there's hip- hypocrites at the grocery store and they're at the gas station and they're at Walmart and you go to all those places, you might as well come here, right? Maybe you'll get help. You won't get help there. They'll just take all your money yeah, for a bagel. True, watch, true hypocrisy is looking at the command of God and saying no and then figuring out another way to do something that looks righteous to make people think you're obedient to God. That is the leaven of the Pharisees. You know, some of this is permeating churches today. You know, there are those that have zero desire to assemble with the body. No, they don't want to go to church. They don't want to assemble. Some of them are still members of maybe, a, I, I don't know any personally. I'm just, I shouldn't even say this. But, but I hear, I, I listen to pastors and what they deal with. And the philosophy that's out there now. And they don't want to assemble. They have no desire. So you know what they do instead? They connect by live stream. Yeah. Is that a good tool? Absolutely, we have it. It's a great tool. But then they tell everybody, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a member of this church. I'm connected. I'm obedient. Right. Although they don't assemble as God commanded them because they just don't want to. No, that's hypocrisy. They have redefined, they have redefined what God has said to fit and suit their own needs. And then they act as if they're right. We have to be careful of this. Are you just pointing them out? No, I'm telling us to be careful of this. We don't want to get there. It's very possible, right? If, Je- if it were not possible, why would Jesus warn his disciples of it in the first place? Yeah. Hypocrisy. Yeah. I might go to Medlin here, I don't know. There's some people who have taught, I don't know how, per- how prevalent it is anymore. I know it's been in the past. They've been against what they would call storehouse house tithing. I could name them. Some of you know them. I'm not going to name them. No. Okay, fine. Martin. Martin Morley. He has this problem. No. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not really not thinking. You know, there's some pastors out there who preached against storehouse tithing. It's Old Testament. It's not New Testament. It's Old Testament. We don't give tithes anymore. Well, fine. Fine. Jesus said, I didn't come to end the law. I came to fulfill the law. Remember going through the Beatitudes, what he did? He elevated the law from, from just doing to, uh, to, a, to a place of a heart. He elevated the law to the heart, right? What did he say in the New Testament? He didn't, Jesus, Jesus never said anything about tithing. True. He said give. Which actually is more. No, here's the problem with some of these 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 uh, thought, the, some of these uh, doctrines that are out there. Some of them just come up with these doctrines because they just don't want to give. Yeah. They say, "Well, we just we just give anywhere." You, you know why some don't want to give at a church? Because they don't want to be accountable for anybody knowing what they don't give. Somebody might see. I don't want anybody to count my money. Friend, if you don't have a problem with giving to God, you don't, you don't care who sees what you give. Man. I mean, you know what your heart is? I mean, you're not out flaunting it. We don't do that. I know. But come on. Well, I give to this and I give to that and I give to this and I give to that and I give to this and I give to that. And uh, I'm pretty good because I, 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 give, I, give, uh, I, I give a lot of money. trying to think how to say this when you understand that the church is a body it's local it's visible it is the only organization that has a charge the organism that has a charge to carry out the great commission where else would you give your money I mean, if, if the reason of giving is, is the furtherance of the kingdom of God I mean, I mean I, let me say it this way where else would you give let me say your first fruits we're not saying you don't give money to other things. But where else would you give ex- besides your church? It's always convenient when these people come up with these things of, you know, against store health tithing, but they love it when you can send it to the sword of the Lord. Anyway, I said it. No, there's, there's way more out there. Listen, if you ever get around and you get uh, online and some of these, it's amazing the people out there that just hate tithing. They hate, no, really, you're right. But the, watch, they purport themselves as being more righteous than you because we're not under this, this oppressive law. We're beyond the law. And really in the crux of it all, a lot of them just don't want to give. If that's where their heart really is, that's hypocrisy. I'm not saying they're all there. Hey, maybe they give way more. Maybe they understand it and they just give what God wants them to give and it's way more than 10% or 20%, whatever it is. Praise the Lord. But some people take this because they just don't want to give and then they purport themselves as more righteous than you. No, that's hypocrisy. Watch careful. It can get in here. It can get in your life. It can get in my life. It can get in the church. Hypocrisy. Well, how do you protect yourself from this hypocrisy? Jesus gave it as a warning, gave it as a guard. Why? Is there a way to guard yourself from this? Right. If you're in war and you want to guard yourself from being shot, right? You, you might put a helmet on and right Kevlar and all sorts of stuff, hide in ditches and stuff like that. There's ways you do go about guarding yourself. 
So how do you protect yourself from hypocrisy? I'm just going to give you a couple things. All right, three, not a couple, three things. They are, they are, they are not, they, they are not um, um, exhaustive here. That's not all of them. You could add to these. I'm just going to give you three simple ones. Number one, uh, stay alert. You know, when somebody says, look both ways before you cross, what are you doing? You're staying alert. What? You know there's danger. And you're keeping an eye open for danger. What's the danger we're talking about here? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Stay alert. Stay alert. Hey, listen, stay honest with yourself that anybody in this room can fall prey to hypocrisy and allow it into their life and live in a hypocritical way. Jesus says, Don't, careful, careful. Yeah. Stay alert. Number two, stay active. Stay active. What do you mean by that? Well, Acts 17, 11. He was talking about Paul had been at Berea, and, uh, or the, the people had been at Paul, but they'd been there at Berea. Yeah, Paul was at Berea. Anyway, we're talking about Berea. I've lost my brain on that one. But he says this in verse 11, they were more noble than those, the Bereans were more noble than those at Thessalonica in that they received the word of God with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. How do you stay active? Stay active in the word of God. Stay active. It'll help you on hypocrisy. If you, listen, if you're staying alert and you're staying active, it'll help you to guard against hypocrisy in our life. Finally, uh, the third one I have here is just to stay on the attack. Revelation 2, 2, to the church at Ephesus. Jesus said, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. How do you stay on attack? Not on the attack of people, but stay on the attack of bad doctrine. Don't let it in your life. How do I know how to do that? Well, stay in the scripture. Stay active. Well, how can I stay active? Well, stay alert. Right? It works up and down. Both ways. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin me. It'll ruin this church. It'll ruin a testimony. It'll, it'll, it'll ruin our effect uh, on the world for the kingdom of God. It is, so, it is so dangerous. Jesus warned his disciples here, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. It'll get all over the place if you let it in. Hypocrisy. May God help us to be vigilant against this and to be able to detect it when we see it. Wait, and be honest with ourselves when we see it in ourselves. Yeah. It's not something to get proud about. It's something to go, oh boy, I... This is dangerous to me. It's, it's, like, it's not like, you know, the doctor says you have cancer and it's like, uh, you, you know, oh, no, I don't. It's like, wait, wait, no, this is dangerous. I need to get this out of here, right? It's dangerous to the body. That's hypocrisy. Get it out. Because if you let it stay there like a cancer, it'll take over everything. Let's be vigilant. Let's stay alert. Let's stay active. Let's stay on the attack. Let's not let, allow hypocrisy 
into our life. And we could develop this and go on with this, but I'll leave that to you to do on your own this week and ask God to show you in your life personally, are there any areas of hypocrisy in my life that I've allowed in that need to be checked with the Word of God and need to be flushed out of my life? May God help us to do that this week. Father, thank you tonight for just a real simple little portion of Scripture here. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Lord, would you help us not to allow any hypocrisy in our life, that we'd be people that are honest and true to the Word of God, that we would, here's one, we'd be doers of the Word and not hearers only, heaping deception upon ourselves, hypocrisy. Help us to be doers of your Word. Help us to be lovers of your Word. Help us, Father, to stay alert to the hypocrisy that's out there, that's propagated all around us. Help us to stay active in the Word and, and, and to stay students of the Word of God and to love the Word of God. And help us to stay on the attack. <clears throat> when these, we see these things rising up in our life, that we would check them with your Word and confess them what they are and get them out of our life when we need to. God, we just pray you'd help us to not allow any hypocrisy to permeate through this church to such a point that it would make us unusable to you. Would you do that work in us? Would you help us to stay alert there? In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand tonight? Have the Lord spoken to you. How vigilant are you against the leaven of the Pharisees? Maybe spend some time with the Lord tonight. Just asking him. Maybe maybe you can spend some time with the Lord just right now and say, Lord, is there any hypocrisy in me? Is there anything that I'm purporting myself a certain way, but in action and belief, I've actually been just trying to figure out a way to get around your word because I haven't wanted to believe it and haven't wanted to do it? I'm not saying it. Listen, I'm not saying it's in anybody. You know, I, I couldn't think of one person in this room that would even come to my mind and would say, ah, there's some hypocrisy in their life. I know it. No. It's contrary. I kind of preach this and go, Lord, I don't know. It's here. We're going through it. Listen, maybe there's nothing going on in anybody's life, but this is a great, great warning to us as a mark in our life that we'll keep our eyes open and be alert that we don't allow it in. Wherever you are, however the Lord has spoken to you, Amen. What a good day today in the
good day in the Lord today. Enjoy the day. Hope you all have a good evening, a good after, good uh, week. Lord willing, we'll see you on Wednesday. And uh, should be back in 2 Corinthians. We'll try anyway. How many want to know the score of the game? Good, I don't have that. I don't know. So. <laughs>